Hello, welcome and kumusta. My name is Hao and I am your occupational therapist and welcome to my podcast entitled OT Conversations. This is a podcast about occupational therapy and any other topics relating to the field, be it medical foundations or philosophical foundations, some of my personal and professional opinions and point of view. I am hoping that through this podcast, I'll be able to help out occupational therapy students and clinicians to navigate their way through their clinical practice involving occupational therapy. In this episode, I'd like to talk to you about the different types of monitors that you will be seeing with a patient. So when it comes to monitors, there are different types of monitors that you will note when you are working in critical care. And these can be electric monitors or they are are monitors that measures electrical impulses or it may uh, monitor some of the fluids in the body and particular pressures and specific pressures. Now, the purpose of these monitors, uh, we are using monitors because we would like to observe the physiological state of the patients who are in need or who's having special care, particularly in the critical care. Now, when it comes to providing therapeutic activities, these therapeutic activities or enabling activities can actually be performed by the patient. So if as long as the patients are awake, uh, they can actually do these therapeutic activities when you have your sessions with them. Uh, you can do that even though they're being monitored. As long as, as clinicians and as occupational therapists, you are able to take care of the uh, uh or you could prevent the disruption of of your activities on those equipments. Okay. So many of the units, sometimes, well, majority of them, they would have some kind of an auditory and visual signals that can be activated and it can cause some alarms every time you move the patient. So it'll be helpful for you as a clinician If you are familiar with whatever sound that they are uh, providing, and it will be very helpful as well if you have the nurses there to be working with you so that they can identify some of the sounds that's happening or some of the sounds that they are producing, and then you become familiar with them. But I think in critical care, it's very seldom that occupational therapists will be left on on their own so we won't be left on our own a good thing about working in critical care is that there is always a nurse available so let's talk about some of the varying or various uh, monitors one of which is the EKG or ECG or electrocardiogram so these monitors it uh, measures the heart rate the blood pressure and the uh, respiration rate of the patient and there are some acceptable and and safe ranges for these three measures for these three physiologic indicators they can be set in the unit so sometimes it raises at a certain uh, heart rate or a certain respiratory rate or equally it can set alarm when it is on the on the lower limits as well 
Sometimes if the sensors are malfunctioning, it can also identify that. So there's also, when it comes to ECG or EKG, there are a screen that provides a graphic display of these values so that whenever you're doing some of your interventions, you can observe the responses of the physiological responses of the patients whenever you are doing your intervention. So that is EKG. Now there is this thing called the pulmonary artery catheter or the PAC, like the Swan's Gantz catheter. What is this? This is a long, usually, well, plastic intravenous tube that is inserted and it is attached into the internal jugular uh, or the femoral vein and it's passed through the pulmonary artery. And what this does is it provides an accurate and it provides a continuous measurement of the pulmonary artery pressures and it will detect subtle changes in the patient's cardiovascular system. So this is more specific, particularly those people who's had some some heart operations. So you can see it does monitor the cardiovascular system and it it, it measures the, the subtle changes, including the responses to, to, to medication, uh, the responses to stress, and the patient's responses to activities as well. Now, with, uh, if it is in place, as, as therapist, you can actually do some activities, providing that, you, that, that the activities that you are doing does not interfere with the location of the catheter's insertion. So, for example, if it is attached in or inserted into the subclavian vein, then you should be mindful of elbow flexion and it should be avoided and the shoulder motions should be restricted. So, you have to, whenever you come into critical care and have a look, so there is this Swanscan's catheter, um, and you just have to plan your activities based on that and you have to work your way around it. Now, the ICP or the intracranial pressure monitor, on the other hand, now this one is now for mostly in neurological uh, critical care, neurocritical care unit. So you would have intracranial pressure monitor. And what this does is that it measures the pressure that is exerted against the skull by the brain tissue or um, the pressure that is pr uh, produced by the blood or the cerebrospinal fluid. So any pressure that is increasing up in the head, this is what it does. So it measures that. So this is used to monitor the intracranial pressures in patients who's had a head injury, for example, particularly those head injury that is not open. So it's called, it's called the, the closed head injury. Those who's had cerebral hemorrhages, those who's had uh, conditions where there is an overproduction of CSF or cerebrospinal fluid, uh, those people who's had uh, brain tumor as well. So some of the complications associated with this uh, when you have an intracranial pressure, some of the complications could obviously be infection. You can have hemorrhage and people can have seizures as well. 
So uh, the ones that are commonly used in terms of these devices are the uh, the subarachnoid screw and the other one would be the ventricular catheter. Both of these are inserted by drilling through the skull. So whenever you are going to do some physical activities with a patient, you know, it should be limited uh, when these devices are actually in place. So you have to be mindful of this. So you have to be very mindful of this because any activity that you do physical on the physical side of things could cause a rapid increase on the intracranial pressure. Um, so what are the activities that can do this? So if you have some activities that involves isometric exercises, so you should not do this. So isometric, so anything where you're tensing up muscles, so you're really, it's stressful for the heart and it's really stressful for the brain as well or for the intracranial pressure as well. So you have to be mindful of these type of activities. So some of the uh, activities that involves uh, isometric exercises. Now, when it comes to positioning, you should avoid neck flexion Okay, when it comes to this, so neck flexion or hip flexion that is greater than 90 degrees and the prone position. So if somebody has had intracranial pressure monitor, the mindful, be mindful of neck flexion, hip flexion beyond 90 degrees and prone because it's really increasing the pressure up in the brain. Okay, now the patient's head also should not be lowered more than 50 degrees be below the horizontal. It's very seldom that you would find this anyway, but any time that you lower the head below the 15 degrees below, if it's horizontal level and you lower it down, you're just increasing the pressure even more. So you should be mindful that you should not be disturbing uh, the, the plastic tube as well. So I think on this, uh, people who's had intracranial pressure and if they are awake or they are alert, you know, you just may have to do some cognitive retraining. You just may have to do some activities that's not uh, exerting or that's not causing a lot of pressure on, on the brain. Again, particularly be mindful of the activities that are resistive. Now, you can have uh, arterial line as well. So you won't think that they're monitors, isn't it? Because they're just tubes that's coming in. But these arterial lines, it's, it's a catheter that is inserted into an artery. So that the purpose is you continually, it continuously measure the blood pressure. And uh, why you want to do this is, so it's there, you want it to measure the blood pressure. And at the same time, you want to take some regular blood blood samples as well. So this is, is the way to, to do that. Obviously, if they're in critical care, you want to measure the blood gases. You have regular blood tests. This is where you want to do that. So again, treatment can be provided with people who's had arterial line, but you should be mindful not to disturb these catheters uh, and the inserted needle as well. So if I'm working in critical care and somebody's had a stroke and somebody has had a, um, uh, what do you call this, uh, uh, the side of the impairment, the upper limb impairment is on the side where the arterial line is, I'm really mindful of the movement, uh, particularly if they're mostly in the wrist, so I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm aware that it's there. So I'm just doing some activities that does not cause a lot of pressure in there. Mind you, anything that you would do with that arm will cause also some some kind of a, a pressure and alert. Um, and it will be picked up. And it is quite daunting for any young or new clinicians. I wouldn't say young or old. So it would be quite daunting for any new clinicians who would be working in a place uh, like that, you know, where it's particularly in critical care. Right? I hope you enjoyed this thing. Uh, this this discussion uh, about monitors, they're very basic ones. So we've spoken about the ECG, we've spoken about pulmonary artery catheter, uh, arterial line, and we have spoken about the uh, um, ICP or intracranial pressure monitor. Until next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, talk to your friends and colleagues about it. Like it, subscribe, share, and do what you can to appease whatever algorithm that is at play. I am but your humble clinician, albeit with years of experience, I have very little understanding of this digital world. So if you have any questions or if you have topics that you want me to talk about, drop me an email. It's riot.conversations at gmail.com. Just remember, guys, anything you do matters and has an outcome. Until next time, bye.